Welcome to Game & Watch, the show where we talk about games we've been gaming and movies and TV shows we've been watching. I'm Aaron. And I'm James. And today we have a bit of a special episode for you guys. Today we're going to talk about um, one of the forces in the acting world, would you say? Oh, probably the force. Well, <laughs> the not anymore, because he's apparently retired. Oh, you know, I did hear something about that. Yeah. Uh, well, if he stays in retirement, uh, perhaps we could cap off his long and illustrious career with this episode. And we are not talking about Gene Hackman. No, we're not. God bless him. He is still alive. I, somehow. Yeah. We're talking about Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. What a guy. Yeah. Uh, his star has been around for uh, like decades, really. He, he really has. And we're not going to like go through his entire career. I mean, we, that's we could. a separate podcast. <laughs> um, I'll carry all the time. We're going to start it pretty soon, but yeah, I mean, we, you could, you could look up a lot on him on Wikipedia and you can do that in your, your own spare time. I, I guess we're, what I want to say about Jim Carrey to start is he is, and has kind of always been like a massive influence on me and I, that makes it sound like even to this day I guess I think it's just that is really true but I was like obsessed with Jim Carrey when I was a kid like from like five years old and I started to become aware of his movies and like in living color and thing like that things like that and I would like read everything about him I wanted to see every single thing he was in I wasn't allowed to see a lot of the things he was in until like later in my life but I, you know, and when I would find out like his comedic influences, like one of his biggest influences, Monty Python. And it's like, well, of course, of course yeah. it is. And I loved Monty Python and still do. And I just felt this like, it was just like magnetic. Every single movie he was in, I wanted to see, I wanted to consume every single thing that he did. And that lasted for a really long time. And I would say there was like, there were two movies that he put out kind of, I don't know if it was in a row. No, it wasn't in a row. Actually, yes, it was in a row. Okay. Uh, I won't name both of them, but it's the early 2000s, and you can kind of guess what those movies might be. And I was kind of just like, I think I might be done with Jim Carrey. I Or not like forever, you know, but I'm just like... Not like Batman forever. <laughs> exactly. Go on. I... <laughs> I just kind of like stopped following his career as like religiously or I stopped like feeling that draw. I almost felt as though he had peaked and kind of never was going to be able to reach that again. And when I went back for this and I looked at all of his films, I would say almost every single one of them I've seen, including his really early stuff. I would say that I was probably right that he peaked kind of when I thought he peaked and he had some like moments of brilliance that kind of came back. And I would say that one of his more recent, uh, more recent couple films were actually pretty surprisingly vintage Jim Carrey. But overall I would say like his, his career seems to have sort of faded and I will always have the early stuff, you know? Yeah, I uh, I think you can think about Jim Carrey's career in phases, right? Um, kind of earlier, it was more of his sketch stuff, a little like wilder, a little um, like more inappropriate. 
And then we get to like family movie Jim Carrey or sort of family movie Jim Carrey um, that we got a lot of in the 90s. And then we get like our tour Jim Carrey that we get sometimes where he's like really reaching and he's flexing his acting muscles. And I don't I haven't seen enough interviews with Jim Carrey. And maybe you can shed a little more light on this to understand his process when he selects roles. Um, because like I said, you, there are kind of these three flavors of Jim Carrey you get. And I'm not exactly sure why he moves into one or the other when he does. What do you think? Well, so I would first dispute that the family movie phase was the 90s, because if you think about what he came, what came out in the 90s, I would argue that none of them are family films. Yeah, unless you right. unless you consider like, you're right. Yeah, I, I will, we're not going to name specific. Well, Ace Ventura, or The Mask, if you think that those are family, I, I would say his family stuff kind of started in 2000 with a particular movie that we may or may not talk about. Oh, yes. I, I guess I'm just thinking family because, like, my family saw them and maybe I oh, yeah. that young. But um, he did do some stuff later on. Like, in his later career, there was, like, Series of Unfortunate Events and Horton Hears a Who and A Christmas Carol. And... Yeah, yeah, Mr. Popper's Penguins. Um, but do you, like, have you seen enough to know, like, why he decides to pick certain roles at certain times and not others? Because at Jim Carrey at this point, like, he has complete freedom. I believe in all of his contracts, he's allowed to just change basically whatever he wants in his dialogue and script. Yeah, he kind of went through quite like the the career. I mean, the, when he made like in the middle of the 90s and like by the time he made The Cable Guy, I think The Cable Guy at the time, he was the highest paid actor, period. For like, That was the single highest amount paid to a single actor for a film, period. Yes. Maybe I think I think it's period, not just for a comedy like ever. And I could be wrong about that. Um, I did not like do a Wikipedia dive for this. A lot of this I'm doing for memory. So this is a special episode. We play it loose. Yeah. Listen, if you again, if you want to hear all about Jim Carrey and nothing else, listen to the Carrey Files, our separate podcast. Yeah. Um, I do know that he kind of has always struggled, I think, with like dip depression. That's not surprising for, especially for a big comedian. Yeah. And I I think when he chooses roles, I don't know. I, I feel like there was a time where he was just, his star was so bright and he would take any opportunity to just go absolutely nuts on screen. <laughs> and you can't fault <laughs> the guy for that, you know? Well, and that's exactly what he did in some cases. Really? And that's exactly what he was hired to do sometimes, regardless of maybe whether he actually wanted to do it or not. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I, it's pretty, his career is really impressive. There was a time where Jack Nicholson was asked who is going to be the next Jack Nicholson. And I think this was around the time of like late nineties, man on the moon Mm. era. And he said, Jim Carrey. Now that did not come to pass. It did not. But also like what is meant by who will be the next Jack Nicholson? Well, so. You know what I mean? Like what? Like who's going to be the old creep who like sits with models at Laker games? Like, well, (laughs) good point. And it's funny because you really cannot make a fair analogy to their two careers. The way I always kind of interpreted that was like Jack Nicholson put out so many films that are critically lauded and like he was nominated for tons of Oscars and he kind of shifted to a more I mean, not really shifted. He kind of existed in this like dramatic state. And, you know, he was in some comedies too. And some of his dramatic roles had some comedy to them. 
and some of his comedic roles had some drama to them. And, and yes. Jack Nicholson was always very capable, even though he was always very much Jack Nicholson. Um, I think that I interpreted that as Jim Carrey just kind of shifting into more dramatic territory, territory while retaining his comedic roots. And we got glimpses of that, but not nearly to the extent I think people were expecting. And I think one of the great tragedies, granted this, I feel like a lot of this is, it, it, it could be on him. It could be on casting directors. It could be on his agent. Maybe it really is a lot on him. And I'm certainly not blaming him or saying that he did something wrong, but I do find the absence of some Oscar quality Jim Carrey work, like a, a substantial amount of it. Um, the fact that that never came to pass is is pretty sad. I, I really wish that it had happened. Yeah, I mean, Jack Nicholson gets The Shining and Jim Carrey gets number 23, I guess. Hey, um, you I know mean, what, what movie I actually liked? when I? Oh, my God. Are you serious? I actually did like that movie when, when I saw it in theaters. Um, oh, no, even in theaters. I saw it in theaters. And even in theaters, I was like, oh, this is. No, no I mean, you're. I, I'm sure you are right. I have not seen it since, and I probably won't. Yeah, yeah. But um, should we dive into uh, our performances or our uh, our choices? Yeah, we're going to do a top five. We'll go five to one. Uh, but let's start with a fun, honorable mention, as we typically do. Yeah. Are, are we doing top five? Did we decide top five? Oh, did we not decide that? Uh, did we do three or five? I'm oh, five. Uh, five. five. We're, we're, we're doing five. Okay, we're doing five. Yeah. All right. um, why don't you give us your number five? All right. So hear me out. Okay. Get ready. I, I can't wait. I'm going to tell you that my number five performance is How the Grinch Stole Christmas as the Grinch. I now, thought that would be on the list. So, okay. so here's why I'm saying that. You know my feelings on the movie. Yes. I don't like it. However, 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 Jim Carrey is really not the thing about the movie I don't like. In fact, Jim Carrey is, and I finally, not finally, I kind of realized this more than ever the last time I watched it. He he gives a really good performance. I mean, he's all he's always been good. I've always thought he was good in this movie, but he really is carrying it. And I, despite the fact that I don't think that really the movie should exist, he is pretty fantastic in it yeah i i agree my problems with that movie actually really don't have anything to do with jim carrey like i think it's a, a lot of other things about the movie i don't like um and maybe i've been unfair to old mr carrey because of that but i think like objectively like the work he put in the makeup aside um like the work he puts in is very solid yeah by the way there i referred to some movies in like the early 2000s I was referring to this and the majestic, the majestic. I was like, what are we doing here? But me, myself and Irene also came out in. Yeah. Two, two, yeah. 2000. You know, I and have, I actually, I like that movie. Irene. Oh, you should. It's okay. worth watching, even though it's, I would say it's mid tier. Mid tier. Okay. Yeah. What about your honorable mention? Or, or do you want to, to interrogate let's just me? Jump, let's just jump into number five. Shall we? You don't, you don't want to do an honorable mention. All right, I'll do my honorable mention is the Riddler. Um, okay. But I feel dirty saying that. That's part of my thing, like um, that the Riddler is uh, in my honorable mentions. But I like the energy he brings to it. And mainly this choice was because of what um, 
God, what's the guy's name who plays Two Face? Oh, Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy, basically, it's for the Tommy Lee Jones story. We should uh, do the top five favorite Tommy Lee Jones performances after this. Sometimes, <laughs> like immediately after this. I mean, I think I mentioned when we did our Batman Forever episode, Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones were my two favorite actors for like the entire nineties. Yeah, you did mention that. Um, which is like for a little boy, Jim Carrey makes sense. Kind of strange. Uh, the other yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. I, I, hey, look, I, I can't explain it. The Fugitive, Men in Black, those were great, and I also loved Batman Forever. Like, if you, I don't anymore, but if you would ask me to make this list at like when I was, I don't know, seven years old or eight years old, I would have said like Batman Forever number two. But no, I'll, I'll say it right now: <laughs> Batman Forever is not on my list. I see. Okay. Well, Batman Forever made my list. All right. Um. All right. So, do you want me to do my number five? Or yeah. Go it? ahead. So I went back and forth on this several times um, with my four and five. Uh, but my number five, I'm going to say The Mask. Okay. Tell me um, why. The, the other thing, too, is like with my performances that I picked, I didn't necessarily pick like his objective five best. I oh, picked, yeah. Like the five that I feel are my favorite or that I connect with. Um, like the top three, like just came into my head unbidden, and then four and five, I had to kind of go back and forth on. Right. Um, but this won't necessarily like if you're looking for you know like objective truth here, you're not going to find it. No. Yeah. And when we say favorite, I, I I do tend to blend some objectiveness, what I feel is objectiveness, into some of my tops. But like generally, the thing that is the that wins the day is just is it my favorite or not is it one of my favorites and so that's what i go by too yeah um so the mask i saw this movie as a little kid which you know questionable but it was the 90s and my parents didn't really care um this movie like puts a lot of old-timey cartoon tropes like on the map that i didn't really understand as a little kid when i saw them in like tom and jerry but for some reason seeing them here like clicked with my brain Mm-hmm. Uh, I love just how I love that this was kind of the first movie to use CG like who framed Roger Rabbit did it first but with more straight up cartoon style um, this was the first movie that I saw as a kid that I was like oh this is what cartoons would look like if they happened in real life yeah um, and watching that now in my 30s I'm like mm, I'm good um, but watching it as a kid I remember it like absolutely blowing my mind um also i've heard this from several several other people um that they realized they were straight when they saw uh, cameron diaz in this movie as little boys i would say that she was like part of the the collective of my collective my sexual sexual awakening awakening. (laughs) it was it was mainly that that was carried mainly by michelle pfeiffer and batman returns fair enough but but Um, cameron diaz did not go unnoticed by young young james yeah and also too like you know even as a little kid the idea the mask isn't a superhero really but he's kind of operating as a superhero um and as a kid you can kind of like conceptualize that and it's you know like um it makes Mm -hmm. it more exciting i guess yeah yeah um how how was your number five my number five (laughs) my number five is eternal sunshine of the spotless mind his role is joel barish okay you went all right all right do tell i'm gonna say that's just right now that is the only dramatic role of his you will find on my list well i think he's good in um what is it called truman show and i think he's good enough in man on the moon this is like the one i wanted to represent 
his dramatic roles. And this was, to me, like far and away his best performance. Kind of a tragedy he didn't get nominated for an Oscar here. But but the thing is, I actually don't really have much to say other than like he has proven repeatedly, maybe not as many times as I wanted, that he could he's easily more than capable of dramatic acting. And I think it is just one of the many, 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 many pieces of evidence that comedic actors can do drama so, so well. I think that that is more common than dramatic actors shifting to comedy. Oh, yeah. And I think one of those things is much harder than the other. You really have to be able to tap into emotion in order to do comedy. You do, yeah. You know, so anyway, I I don't really have a whole lot to say about it other than I think the performance speaks for itself. I think he shows a lot of great nuance in in, in emotional depth. And it's just a really it's a really good performance. It's not it's pretty understated, too. It's it's not it's not too showy. It's just very, very perfect. I think Um, it's just an absolute great carry performance. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Um, my number four is uh, Ace Ventura Pet Detective 1. Okay. Specifically so you, 1. Got it. Got it. Okay. So what separates the two in your mind? Is it just it being the first? Is it like... Um, yeah. So like uh, the performances, I guess, like have to be divided by film. Um, I loved Ace Ventura 1 as a kid and I still have a soft spot for it, even though parts of it have not aged very well. Um, but Ace Ventura 2, even as a little kid, I'm like, this is a little too silly for me. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas Ace Ventura 1, I feel like, again, it's that balance. Like you have, uh, Jim Carrey, like being semi-capable kind of solving a crime. You also have him wearing like a tutu and falling in the pool and like (laughs) being ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Um, I think this, again, for like a little kid, this kind of has something for everything or something for everyone. Um, like. I just love it. I just, I really like Ace Ventura. I love the idea that he rescues animals. Um, A lot of these are going to like coincide with when I saw them as a little kid. And when you see, you know, animals as your little kid, you love animals. So I just, uh, I love Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, specifically the first one. I'm with you there. Yeah. It's on my list. You'll see. All right. My number four Um, is The Mask, though. Your number four is the mask. Yeah, okay, St- tell, Stanley tell Ipkiss. I mean, Stanley so Ipkiss. I will. I'll just echo every single thing that you said. I will also note that this is another really great. Perf- so this isn't. He made three movies in 1994, which is insane. It's very insane. He made Ace yeah. Ventura. He made The Mask. He made Dumb and Dumber. Two of those performances are so insanely over the top. The ma- that they make the mask look restrained. Because, I mean, he's asked to do two things, and I think that that duality works really well. Because the ca- the character of Stanley Ipkiss is like, he is just trying to be a nice guy, and he's smitten with this woman, and, you know, he's a little aloof. Like, he, he doesn't really have his shit together, and I think that Jim Carrey plays it really well without going over the top. And then the duality of the character as the mask, when he becomes the mask, he gets to let loose. And I think that, that you get to see two great sides of him in that performance. And I, I, you know, I love it. I'm just going to shout out the Cuban Pete sequence, which just truly masterful uh, dancing and just singing and just such a such a hilarious moment of that movie. Um, I yeah, I never thought that I would consider the mask a restrained film. But when you frame it that way, it really kind of is. Oh, my gosh. It's like night night and day compared yeah. to the other two i mentioned yeah and honestly even if you okay 
really if okay let me let me give you these films in a row sure. and i i will say confidently that the mask is by far the most restrained out of these movies sure ace ventura pet detective yes the mask okay dumb and dumber yes batman forever by far the most ace restrained. ventura when nature calls okay the cable guy oh, okay liar liar <laughs> well okay there's 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 an argument to be had there that liar liar is equally as silly as the mask that is the one argument you could make yeah yeah and maybe we'll get a chance to talk about that and maybe we will yeah um so what's your number three my number three uh this is so like i said my top three came like unbidden to my mind um like and in the order uh my number three absolutely no question is lloyd christmas uh, okay from dumb and dumber Mm -hmm. uh there are reasons for this uh i would hope yeah right uh i like the number three uh no i think that this is slightly more and i i hesitate to use this word but it's a more adult role um and more adult versus like ace ventura which is like very childish and um like it's slightly less annoying than he can get in some roles so this is a less annoying character than the riddler uh than maybe ace ventura than maybe the mask even a little bit um and i think it's like lloyd christmas is infinitely quotable right like there's just so many good lloyd christmas quotes um when he goes into the bar and she's not there and uh he's like but it's 10 and they're like yeah it's 10 a.m and he goes i just thought she was a raging alcoholic (laughs) Um, just like there's so many great moments um and a lot of those line deliveries they don't necessarily rely on him being like wild crazy physical comedy over the top jim carrey It's just really solid jokes with really solid timing. One of my favorite line deliveries he has, I wouldn't say it necessarily my favorite line period or like my favorite joke, but one of my favorite deliveries, he actually improvised it. It was the, hey guys, well, big ups, huh? See you later. later. (laughs) I I butchered the wording on that slightly, but you you, you know what I mean. Um, I have a friend uh, from college who constantly would say that to people, uh, especially at gas stations, whether or not they were drinking big gulps. I I don't say it to strangers, but I say it to some friends. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah. Um, And I I just think like Lloyd Christmas as a character, uh, like he exists in this realm of like pure joy, whether or not that joy surrounds him or not. Yeah. Um, so like, he's this creature of pure joy in this like really bizarre world. And I just, I love Lloyd Christmas. Yeah. How about you? My number three is Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura. Tell me more. Cause I did a really bad job. I don't think you did a bad job. I mean, this, this is just like, I think this is Jim Carrey at his most unrestrained. This is the most unrestrained he's ever been in a movie. And I, and I think we should say like, when I mentioned Lloyd Christmas, like, I think unrestrained Jim Carrey can not always, but has the potential to lead to annoyance. Um, What do you, what do you think about that with regard to Ace Ventura? Um, Revisiting Ace Ventura in the last like five years, I would say maybe I guess, I guess I could kind of sense a little bit of that, maybe a little tiny bit of annoyance. Maybe some of that though, is how some of the film, like you mentioned, like doesn't age particularly well. Like some of the jokes are, you know, at the expense of certain people and I, it's in him delivering those jokes and any jokes associated with it, deli- you know, it's hard to it's hard. But 
it's not like his full like unrestrained goofiness is everything to do with like jokes that don't that have an age particularly well but he is just truly off a leash like there is no leash to be found it is chewed up and thrown away like <laughs> this was like do like we're just gonna s- say action and you can do literally anything you want and he did. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's exactly how it went down, but it's certainly the performance is like that. It's just absolutely crazy. And I I put this on my list. And I have it in the number three spot. It's not, I think my, my, my favorite performances from him have are not like the complete, there's a little, there's a leash maybe present, but maybe he's just, it's attached to him and it's, he's like running around with it as opposed to this, where they couldn't even get a leash on him in the first place. And I would love to know what it would have been like to be Courtney Cox on set, just like right? having Jim Carrey be all Jim Carrey at you and still have to like act in these well, scenes. I I like literally had like fan like day day like daydreams about like being on set with Jim Carrey and just him making me laugh. I just wanted nothing more than to meet him when I was younger and just like I would just assume he would just joke over and over and over again and make me laugh. And, and in, re- in real life, he probably wouldn't. He, I, well, you never know. I mean, I, I think he was like that on set for a lot of people. I mean, there's so, I mean, you think about like outtakes that exist with him in it. Like, I'm sure he was just so, so funny and so delightful. But yeah, Ace Ventura is, and I, and I picked Ace Ventura in general, like as if you made me pick one of the two, I would pick Pet Detective, even though I I might have actually seen When Nature Calls more. I don't know why. Um, maybe that maybe that's just the one that my friends and I would rewatch more often. But yeah, he's just completely insane in these movies. And I and I I think it's you get a chance to see him at like not his breaking point, but just like him at eleven. And it might be arguably the only these two movies, these Ace Ventura movies, were the only arguably the only ones where he's at eleven. Yeah, I yeah I agree with that. Um, because I mean even Lloyd Christmas is like. He's like an eight point five, but he's certainly would, not at eleven. Yeah, I would say like a like a nine. Yeah, yeah. eight point five nine for yeah, for Lloyd yeah. Christmas. Yeah. Um. Well, I love that reasoning for East Ventura. Uh. Would you like to hear my number two? What if I said no? Uh. Then I would say, would you like to hear my number one? <laughs> well, I can't have that. So let's. I guess let's hear your number two. My number two. Now, hear me out. Uh. I pick this because. Uh, I'll just say it. Count Olaf from a series of unfortunate events. Totally, totally fine. I think yeah. his performance in that is really good. It's not it didn't make my list, but but I liked it. I, uh, I just I love those books. Uh, I've read them. I think they're great. I think the Netflix series is great. Um, but if you were to battle the Pokemon of Jim Carrey versus Neil Patrick Harris as Count Olaf, uh, Jim Carrey wins in my mind. Oh, my gosh. Like that was like that was the same year as eternal sunshine. And it was kind of during the time where I didn't really care about Jim Carrey as much anymore. And I was like, that's really good casting. I, yeah. I didn't really care for the movie a ton, but I was really impressed with the casting. Like when I like read town Olaf, I thought of Jim Carrey. I feel I, I didn't actually, but I, but the character I pictured in my mind had mannerisms like Jim Carrey's performance in this movie. Absolutely. And you kind of get four Jim Carries for the price of one, right? Because his character, Count Olaf, his whole deal is that he comes up with these, uh, you know, characters and costumes and they're all part of his villainous plans. But so we get characters like Captain Wittershins. We get Stefano, the Italian man. Um, We get like all these great little like snapshots 
Um, and it almost feels like it harkens back to like his in living color days, right? Like they're almost like these little sketches we get with different characters. Yeah. Um, and they're kind of all these different shades of silly, but there's like a menace to each one of them that I also appreciate because in something like Ace Ventura, you know, Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey usually doesn't play villains. Um, and when he does, I think I, I like that, like something like not number 23, but something like Dr. Robotnik, because you get this like unhinged silliness with him, but there's like this sharp edge to it, which I kind of like. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get that with Count Olaf. Um, and, you know, you get him saying uh, just goofy lines uh, that I can't remember right now. So this <laughs> makes for terrible podcasting. It's all right. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to go with Count Olaf from a series of unfortunate events. All right. My number two is Fletcher Reed in Liar Liar. Okay. Do tell why. I, th- I mean, this isn't my number one and it was never going to be, but I... I love I really love him as the dad who's trying put in a situation where like the character isn't inherently goofy himself. Like he's kind of just a normal silly dad who makes who has like, you know, the claw with his son. You know, he's he's not he's not like a complete like mess. He's just a workaholic and he neglects his family. And that's a real character flaw. And that's and, something that you hope to emulate. <laughs> never. <laughs> I, I I love that the comedy of this performance comes from him, him being put in a ridiculous situation where he cannot lie. And I, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's him getting to act within those particular constraints as opposed to his character just being inherently insane. This yeah. is like more, it's much more akin to the mask than it is Ace Ventura or Dumb and Dumber. It's almost like um, like he's playing a game within the bounding box of like this character. Yes. Right. This like is... this character has this rule that I mm-hmm. must follow. Right. I imagine this is like you take like an improv comic and I'm, I mean, he, he, he has improv background and you play a game. The improv game is like someone just shouts out, you're a man who can't lie. And he just goes. Yeah. You're a man who can't lie and you're a lawyer. Go. Yeah incredible yeah. like it's just that you it's it's such a great idea for a movie and i i because i want to try to shout out some things um because i don't know if we'll end up doing some of these movies for for the show or not in more detail but like the courtroom scene where the kind of like the where he thinks he's going to lose and he just go he just goes nuts and then <laughs> realizes he actually has the winning argument and does it without lying is just such fantastic acting i really wish that it was like a one take thing i'm sure that would have been like impossible for him to do but my goodness is it such it's just un completely unhinged jim carrey just losing it um the booper reel of that movie is great it's i think about it quite often actually it's when i think of like what it'd be like to be on set with him I just thought you meant you think about it just in your life off and on occasionally the blooper I mean, reel from liar liar <laughs> i mean ah. Uh... I mean, maybe I, was, you do. I used to a lot, uh, but yeah, this, this was, it's funny. Like I would say maybe about six to seven years ago, this would not have been my number two. Ace Ventura probably would have been, but okay. I, I, I can pretty confidently move this into my number two spot. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, would you like to hear my number one? Yes. Um, I forget his first name, uh, but Billy Truman from the Truman Show, <laughs> Jimmy Truman, uh, Stephen Truman. It's not. I know. 
And I know it's not any of those. I I honestly don't remember what it. No, Bobby wait, Truman. No, his his first name is Truman. I don't know what his last name is. Oh, but his first you're name is you're right. His first that name I'm is that Truman. I'm sure of. But anyway, Truman. Truman Capote from the Truman All right, Show. I'm just gonna look it up. Okay. Truman Garibaldi. Truman Burbank. Truman Burbank. All right, I was yeah. not anticipating that, but okay. Yeah. Truman Burbank from the Truman Show. Um, like we talked about phases of Carrie, uh, this is a more serious Jim Carrey role, but I feel like this is the closest we get to like what an every man, like if Jim Carrey had never discovered acting and had never discovered comedy, I feel like this is the kind of person he would have become. Hmm. Um, you mean like the kind of actor who plays a role like this, or he would have become literally he like... He would have become like Truman Burbank, Truman Burbank. I feel like. Okay. Um, you know, not like trapped in a TV show, but like in his mannerisms, like Truman feels very much like Jim Carrey, but like a Jim Carrey that's settled down to work in an office. And he does have those like bursts and those moments and those like episodes of like mania and hands moving around and physical comedy, but it feels like he's a much more grounded real person um and on top of that i like the truman show and i like the plot but in terms of his performance he shows like amazing range um and like i like i said like i feel like this is possibly his most well-rounded role Mm -hmm. um like as a human being um because something like andy kaufman and man on the moon like that's very extreme um and you know you're not getting that from dr robotnik um but yeah i i think this is probably his like most well-rounded human balanced role that he's had and i just have a ton of affection for that film and this this role um in general what do you think it's great it's a great movie i mean he's he's made mostly just great films like i i wasn't really gonna scoff at anything you put on this list except maybe mr popper's penguins which i haven't seen but i would have just been like what are you doing uh, I would have judged you if number 23 was on your list, but that's okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, my my runaway number one is Lloyd Christmas and Dumb and Dumber. It, <laughs> How could it not be? It, it is my, it, it's, I think it's my favorite comedy of all time and has been for quite a long, long, long time. And I will we'll do it for the show someday. We, maybe, we, we must. Like we it, must. It, it is his performance as Lloyd Christmas is just an absolute masterwork uh, deserving of awards. And I'm not, I'm not being hyperbolic. It, it is truly truly masterful um he, i mean he he works within like the script and the script you know has has him deliver some just really great jokes he did not contribute to the script but why are you going why are you going to the airport flying somewhere it, how'd you guess <laughs> i saw your luggage and when i noticed the airline ticket i put two and two together <laughs> statistically yes. you're more likely to get killed on the way to the airport yes. I mean, it just from the uh, very, very, very first scene, he's firing on all cylinders. There is never not so a single good. moment in the movie where he isn't on 100%. But again, he's not on necessarily in that like really 110% over the top 11 Jim Carrey way. He's on in like the like perfect like comedic timing right. ever seen. Yes. Like just nailing it. Yep. Com- completely. Could not agree more. I mean, they're just every single moment of the movie. He is delivering a great performance. Like, I don't think you can say that about every other movie he's made. There's at least I I can't think of a single weak part of this performance. (laughs) No, there really isn't. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll, I'll save some more of my gushing and we're gonna be some more of my nuanced comments about the movie for, you know, even when we do it. But yeah, the runaway favorite now and forever. I, I Unless he comes out of retirement and suddenly makes like 
the best movie ever made. There's just no, there's no way that it's topping this. Yeah, it's uh, I haven't even seen either of the the like actual sanctioned sequel and the unsanctioned prequel uh, because don't. I don't want to. Um, because I don't, I desperately don't want anything to ruin my perfect, the, perfect dumb and dumb. Well, the prequel doesn't have him in it, and it's no. awful. The right. the sequel does, and it's just, it's like somebody taking like something you love deeply and executing it in front of you. Yeah, and that's exactly what I don't want. It's really, really unfortunate. I mean, you, part of you you want to be like slightly happy that he's in a role that he killed the first time, but like. It's just you can't. It's 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 just too upsetting to watch. So sorry to end that on a dour note, but that's our <laughs> those are our top five favorite Jim Carrey performances. Um, let's just let's end really positively. Uh, I'm just thinking about the beginning of Dumb and Dumber again, sir. You can't go in there. It's okay. I'm a limo driver. <laughs> <laughs>